If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of James. However you receive your scriptures, you can do that uh, in the book. And if you don't have one of those, you can get that one in the seat back in front of you and use that one. If you don't have one at your home, please take that home. We have folks that are giving that allow us to restock the pews. We want you to have a Bible. We would love for you to continue reading that Bible. Uh, you can also get your Bible electronically. Go ahead. There's all kinds. I, I do the U version of the Bible. And turn with me to the book of James. James chapter 5. It's near the back of your Bible. But James chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading at verse 13. James was uh, often referred to as the brother of Jesus. He was one of the early church leaders. And his letter, often scholars will say, it doesn't really take the form of a letter, so to speak, but it was almost like maybe James was nearing the end of his life and he took some of the great sayings, the great teachings of the very early church, and he put them down. It it almost reads like a New Testament Proverbs, book of Proverbs. But these are some great foundational teachings of the early church that the church said these are good and we should hold to these and we should continue to teach them. And so it found its way. Little book of James near the end of the Bible. And so I encourage you, let's read this together. Hear the word of the Lord from James chapter 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. This is where, you know, we do this every now and then. This is where that comes from. It's in the Bible. Why we anoint with oil. Symbol of God's presence. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you that your brother James wrote these down, that we might read them today, learn from them, apply them in our lives, as risky and as scary as it may sound. We pray that your spirit would come and empower us, enable us to be led by the spirit, that we might do what this teaching calls us to. For we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Well, we're in this brief series. In fact, it started last week and today it ends. 
It's a good series, right? Sure. Two. Can you call it a series if it's only two? I, I don't know. Anyways, two, two sermons. Uh, we'll call it a series on what it means to be witnesses. And last week we looked at, at some things and I was reading this quote from John Wesley. Every Thursday I'm meeting with three other pastors and we're reading through a book called A Theology of Love. We meet online, uh, we've read a chapter and we get together and we discuss it. Uh, this book was written by Mildred Bangs Weinkoop, uh, who was one of the theologians in the Church of the Nazarene in the 70s wrote a marvelous work. I love this book. The guys think I'm just a super nerd. So I'm, I'm with three other nerds, and I'm the super nerd. So uh, I get excited about, about what I read there. And she really does a lot of just lengthy quotes of John Wesley. Now, John Wesley, if you're unfamiliar, is kind of our spiritual or theological great-grandfather. Uh, the Church of the Nazarene flows out of Methodism back in the early 1900s, uh, the late 1800s, and uh, we were a part of this great Wesleyan tradition. And so um, so I'm always excited, that, but I wish, this is one of the times I wish I had this quote last week. It would have gone so well with the sermon. Alright, if you remember the sermon, then uh, you'll know... Oh, i got to turn this on. Okay, here we go. I, I want to read this to you. This is John Wesley advising his early little Methodist cell groups when he talks about this. He says, be particularly careful in speaking of yourself. You may not indeed deny the work of God, but speak of it when you are called on in the most inoffensive manner possible. Avoid all magnificent, pompous words. You need give it no general name, neither perfection, sanctification, the second blessing, nor the having attained. Rather, speak of the particulars which God has done in you. You may say, At such a time, I felt a change which I'm not able to express. And since then, I've not felt pride or self-will or anger or unbelief, nor anything but a fullness of love to God and all humanity. And answer any other plain question with modesty and simplicity. This is our spiritual great-great-grandfather who is addressing these words down through the ages to us. And last week, that's exactly what we were talking about. We talked about being witnesses and learning our story. And we looked at the before and after time. Before Christ, I had these attitudes and these struggles and this kind of worldview. And we looked at those and then we compared that to the after. And it's sometimes something we can't really explain. But we know that something has changed because our attitudes, our struggles, and our worldview look different. I mean, if we were to look back at that quote, we will say, you know, I can't really describe it, but since then, I have not felt pride, nor self-will, nor anger. These are attitudes, or unbelief, struggles, nor anything but a fullness of love to God and all humanity. That's that worldview change. And we believe that the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life can bring about those kinds of changes. Right? Right? Amen. We believe this. And so we looked at these these four things. But the quote doesn't end there. And so I want to read, and this gets us into this week. Because 
we are not just learning our stories, but we want to share our true stories. And so I want to continue reading what Brother Wesley says. If any of you, this is right after the quote we just finished reading. It just goes on. If any of you at any time fall from what you are now, if you should again feel pride or unbelief or any attitude from which you are now delivered, do not deny, do not hide, do not disguise at all at the peril of your soul. At all events, go to one in whom you can confide and speak just what you feel. God will enable them to speak a word in season which shall be health to your soul. Wow. Now, if you want to continue reading the quote, you can go to the works of John Wesley, volume 9, pages 434 and 5. It goes on way a lot, a lot, long, a lot more than that. But it helps us to see, and I think ties beautifully into our passage today, that we need to look at and do just a little bit of study so that we can begin to see this. Because often this passage in James, we use it and we talk about the healing part. And that we should gather around, we should bring people to an altar if they are sick, we should gather around the elders of the church, and, and we should anoint them with oil, and we should pray for them, and we say that the prayer of a righteous person is, is powerful and effective. And that's true. Don't get me wrong. But we tend to stop too soon. And the rest of the teaching goes like this. And it scares us to death in modern day America. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed for the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. All right, are you ready to jump in? Alright, let's go. Here we go. So I want to first talk with that first word, uh, the word confession. Alright, it's been a few weeks since I've given you a Greek word, so i got to jump in again, okay? The Greek word for confess is the word homo legeo. Let's say that together really, really fast. Ready? One, two, three. Homo legeo. Let's try it one more time. Homo legeo. We're going to try again because I want you to get this in your brain. Ready? One, two, three. Homo legeo. Somebody told me three times wasn't enough because they haven't remembered any Greek word that I've ever given them. So we're going to go four today. Ready? One, two, three. Homo legeo. Homo means same. Legeo means to say. So it literally means to say the same. Now we're talking about confessing our sin. So we are confessing where we have, that is the word hamartia, we're not going to have that there uh, for you to learn today, because I want you to remember the other word, which is? Good, homologeo. It is to say, to say the same about the ways that you have missed the mark, about the ways that you have broken God's law, about the ways that you have lived outside of life, the struggles, the attitudes, those types of things that are there. You say the same about them. One silly example of confession, of saying the same, is for me to let you know that I am bald. I know it surprises you. That's a confession. I am saying the same about the follicles on the top of my head that don't produce anything anymore. That is confession. We simply say the same, but about our sin. 
which is hard. Now, uh, we've got to jump into Greek grammar. So uh, I want everybody to just uh, take their elbows and go like this a little bit. Come on. I want to see people moving. All right. If that person is near you, good. Wake them up. You can, I give you permission a little farther this way, a little farther that way. Get them ready. Because we're going to go into some Greek grammar here today. Because it's very important. This is very, I mean, this is going to change your life. Okay? Now, this word, homologeo, in James chapter 5, it is in the present middle imperative. Aren't you blessed? Now, I've put it the other way around. Imperative, middle, present. Typically, you would say, if you're a Greek scholar, you would say it's present, middle, imperative. But I wanted, I wanted to take it backwards just so we can get the full meaning and the full weight. Imperative. It simply means that this confessing, this saying the same about our sin to one another, this is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is something that James said, this is what Christians do. We are commanded to confess our sins to one another, to say the same about our struggles, our attitudes that don't match up to that of Christ. We are to do this. We are commanded to do this. This isn't a, when you feel like it, go do it. No, it's, no, this is what we do. This is what we do. Go do this. Do it. Just do it. This is what we are called to do. Does that make sense? Yes. This is yes. Okay, it's a command. It's what Christians do. The middle voice. I know, I know this is just, you're getting goosebumps. I can tell. The middle voice is a voice within the Greek language that says that this action, this confessing of sins to someone else, it is started by the subject. It is started by the person. And, are you ready for this? It's radical. It is started by the person and it benefits the subject. It benefits that person. So, you're not only commanded to do it, but you're to start it yourself and you should know that this is a benefit to you. This is something that will help you. This is something that will cause you to grow. This is something that you should initiate because you know there's going to be something good that comes out of it. Aren't you blessed? So we're commanded. It's something we do and we start, we initiate because we know it will benefit us. And then present. It means you should do it now. It's not waiting till, you know, the future or those kinds of things. It's a command. It's something that we initiate because it benefits us. And it's something we do now, in the present tense, right now. It's not something you do one time in the past, way over there, I did that. Uh, no, it is now. It is something that we continue to do because this is what we are called for. Okay. Everybody still awake? All right. Good, good, good. So, then we move on. And the Scripture tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So when we confess our sins to one another and pray for each other for our healing, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, this kind of trips us up today. Because we start thinking, eh, who's a righteous person? You know? And so, I want to give you something here. First of all, they're a human being. Okay? Got it? A righteous person is a human being. It's not a super saint. 
It's not a pastor. It's a human being. It is a human being that is right with God. That is what righteous means. A righteous person is someone who is right with God. It is someone that you see evidence in their life that they are a person who prays, they are a person who seeks to do the will of God, that they are probably one of these people who has someone who is con- they are confessing their sins to, their struggles to, for their own healing. They know it's a command. They know that they should initiate it in the present because it benefits them. You would see that evidence in a righteous person's life and they are one who prays so human being right with god who prays now james has to kind of give us an example of this right and he picks oh my goodness the prophet elijah i mean the guy who called fire down from heaven Burned up the altar and all the things like that. And and, and the the altar was covered with water. That Elijah. The guy who was fed by ravens out in the desert. That Elijah. The the guy who confronted an empire and and got away with his life. That Elijah. The guy who was out in a cave and and heard the, the hurricane and the fire and the wind and that wasn't God. And then walked out and heard the still small voice. That Elijah kind of shoots my whole point, doesn't it? But I find it interesting what James does. He picks the prophet Elijah, of course. Everyone, every Jew in Jerusalem would think Elijah was a righteous person. A person right with God. But he plays down everything. What does he say? Elijah was what? Look at verse 17. Elijah was what? A human being. Even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would rain. It did not rain. He prayed again, and it rained. <laughs> Took the dramatic, righteous man of God and boiled his, his whole example down to he prayed and it didn't rain. He prayed again, and it rained. Wow. I think he wanted us to realize that there may be righteous people hiding right, right around you that might be the people that you can confess to. Now, there's always a couple of worries. There's always a few worries when it comes to confessing. The first is the, the worry of the confessing person. I'll never forget when I was in grad school and I was studying psychology, um, we had a class because in psychology when you're a counselor, every now and then, and sometimes more than you think, you bump up against a substance abuse issue. And so our professor said it would be good for you, and he made it a requirement. He, I guess he used the middle voice, imperative, present. I'm commanding you to go for your benefit in the present to some 12-step groups. You need to just go and sit in on them. I'll never forget going in and being a part of that group and, and, and seeing them and and uh, having them stand and say, hi, my name is, and I'm an alcoholic, or I'm, I'm a drug addict, or, or I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And yet, by the, every time, by the time I left, I felt like, wow, it feels like that's the way church is supposed to be. Like, like we're supposed to just acknowledge, hey, I'm struggling here. And someone else is going to read a passage or, or, or say some words and it's just encouraging. Or just saying thank you because I was able to kind of let it out and say the same about what I'm struggling with. I was able to be a human being in the presence of another human being and I was able to do that. So there are two worries. 
The confessing person's worry, what will people think? What will people think if I start sharing? We might have the, the worry of what, what is a righteous person? You've kind of heard that. It's a human being. So you should, you should realize that what people will think is that you're a human being and you're serious about your commitment to God. That you want to go all in with God. That's what people will think. That's what your children will think. That's what your husband or your wife will think. That's what your family will think. That, wow, they're really serious about this. Now, the righteous person, please be cautious. Look at those things. Are they a human being? Are they right with God? Are they a praying person? Those are some good qualifications. If you have heard gossip through them at some point, that's probably not a safe person. Okay? But we have to begin to initiate this and see this. Why should I do this? Our our middle grammar has already taught us because it benefits who we are. To be a real human being is what God has called you to. And this is the way that God does it. Next is the worry of the confessor. (laughs) What if I'm chosen by someone? You should be in awe and wonder. Because evidently that person sees your humanness, sees that you're right with God, and sees that you're a praying person and you are striving to do those things. Take that with awe and wonder. Be, you know, it would be very appropriate to give some gratitude to God. God, thank you for the work that you are doing in my life. And then, why should I do this? Well, our scripture tells us. Now, I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear just a little bit from, from, from before. Uh, what if I'm chosen? The end of our Wesley quote that says, God will enable them to speak a word in season which will be health to your soul. The them, that's you if you're chosen. God will enable you to speak a word in season which will be health to their soul. This is true. As As a pastor and as a counselor who is a Christian, I have found over and over again when people are vulnerable with me, if I will listen God has a word that will bring health to their soul. I may not see it immediately, but over time you begin to see what God can do with that. But why should we do it? I think the end of our scripture lets us know that. Why should we do this? My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring you back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. I love the way that Eugene Peterson says this in the message. So I'll close by reading this. If you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Christians go after them. We get them back. And you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. This is what we are called to. Remember, we're commanded to do this. We're to initiate it because it benefits us. And we're to do it in the present. It's not something we put off. 
And so, brothers and sisters, I know you're all scared to death that I'm going to make you do it right now to the person next to you, right? I won't be that cruel. I know you got meals to go home to here in a second. But I do want us to pray. I do want us to have some time to allow God to let this word sink into us. There is a reason why it is a part of our 10-4 vision that we will have groups here. We've started with grief share. The next one we want to start is divorce care. The, to- the groups after that we want to start are recovery groups from substance addictions, from process addictions. We already have a group of guys who are meeting together uh, to, to hold each other accountable and to confess their attitudes and struggles around internet pornography. This is what we are called to do. We're commanded to do it. And it's the way we grow. So I want us to have a moment to do this. There's a reason why we're calling you to start some life groups and learn how to share your story and learn about our faith so that we will also be a a group of people who are right with God. And then available to have someone come and, and be vulnerable with us and give us the privilege of standing on holy ground as they say, this is what I'm struggling with. As they do what... Pastor Wesley said, they just share what they're feeling and what they're struggling with. And we listen and God gives us a word that will be health to their souls. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I want you to take a moment as Lori's playing. I want you to think. I want you to pray in your heart. God, show me who I am to begin this process with. Bring their face to my mind. Pray that in your own heart right now. God, help me to remember the imperative middle present. That this is what Christians do. That I should initiate this because it's healthy for me. And I should do it now. I shouldn't wait anymore. Help us to do that. Father, we thank you for this teaching from James. It's hard in our day and age to be vulnerable. It's the last thing we want. And yet, vulnerability is the one thing required to grow up, to mature, to become fully a man or a woman connected to others and connected to God. To be a dad, to be a mom, to be a son, a daughter. So help us, God, to be vulnerable people. Help us through the power of Your Spirit, to not just hear this teaching, but live it out. To realize that You call us in Your gracious patience to work out our salvation with awe and wonder. For it is You who are at work and in us, enabling us and helping us to will and to do Your good pleasure. God, I pray your blessing upon these, my brothers and sisters. May they 
lean into this teaching and find the truth that it is beneficial to them. Help us to be people that are right with You. That we might be ready to receive the vulnerability of others and share that Word that will be health to them. Go with us now and help us to live for You wherever You will lead us in this week. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive the benediction, the final blessing. And now may you hear the command of Brother James. Confess your sin to one another. And pray for one another. And God will bring healing. I pray that you will initiate this week because you know it will be beneficial to you. And you'll do it in the present. Maybe some of you will do it on the way home in your cars. And I pray that you will receive the grace of Christ, which covers sin and forgives to the deepest depths of all people. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go. Say hello to two or three or four people.